Heavenly Father, it's so good that we can gather here and dig into your word again. Thank you for this, uh, the rest over the holidays, Lord. I pray that everyone in the group here is uh, refreshed and, and eager and excited to come expectantly before your word humbly and, and just uh, learn from you, God. May you just show us more of who you are, uh, your character and your word as shown clearly in our language. We thank you that we can study your word. And Lord, we pray for the many groups of people who, who don't have access to your word yet. May you send missionaries to these places to study the culture, study the language, and clearly teach your word foundationally, thoroughly, in a way they can understand. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So who can kind of remember or recap where we, our last lesson Sort of the, the, the story. It doesn't have to be anything super fancy. You want pictures to jog your memory? We talked about Adam and Eve being helpless sinners. <clears throat> yes, yeah, helpless sinners. Because we, we just finished, uh, they, they, were, they were driven from the garden. So we kind of were in this area here. God had clothed them, right? God had provided an adequate covering. He, he rejected their covering, which was the fig leaves. So, so an idea that they had to cover their shame and guilt was inadequate. Um, this didn't cover their shame and guilt, but it was something that God had provided. He killed an animal, provided a clo- uh, garments for them. And, uh, and we read about Adam naming Eve around this point here of the mother of all living. So kind of... Uh, reading between the lines a bit, but it seems like putting his faith that, that a coming deliverer would come through the line of, of, the, of his wife. And um, so they put the covering on. That's why we covered their sin debt rope with the straw. And here's just another way to illustrate it, covering their names here as well. And, uh, and we talked, I believe, was it that lesson we talked about our sin debt rope or the lesson before? Either way, we're going to continue this forward. Uh, because of Adam and Eve being our ancestors, um, we all inherit a sin debt, and that's what that one knot in our rope uh, signifies, is we're just born with, a, with an autopilot to, to pride towards self-gain, sin, selfishness. Um, so this lesson we will pick up here, but like I said, let's just, let's just kind of do a little heavier of a review with Adam and Eve being removed from the garden. Um, kind of printed my notes in a different format so you'll have to forgive me for a little more flipping you'll probably see me doing before I kind of dive into that heavier review does anybody want to be sharing um, maybe the things that we've been teaching foundationally through established so far, how God has been bringing that up in your lives or, or different situations maybe you guys have found yourself in where there was a rub between standing on the truth of something maybe new you've realized about God or, or going back to a, you know, one of your false beliefs or a false belief that we've written up here. Have any of you guys had a rub with that in the past couple months that you would be willing to share? Kind of a, a bump or a Somewhere your thinking didn't align. Sometimes it's hard to put your finger on it, I realize. I'm just, I'm not sure if this is directly related, but just the idea that certain things that the, the 
calls sin and, and, and rebellion against God, uh, there is a, a tendency in, in some areas for it to be called uh, a disease or a, a sickness, which in some ways we are all infected by sin and passed on to us, uh, you know, so it might be hereditary, but the, uh, but the idea behind that is they, people can't help but do it. It's, it's not a choice, uh, but they can't help but do it, and therefore we should uh, um, not look at it necessarily as sin, but just uh, as a condition that they can't help. Uh, the idea that you know, they don't necessarily need to repent of anything. Okay. Like yeah, there, it, it's it's the way it is. So just get on with life, kind of a thing. Yeah, I kind of have the same sort of reaction to the word broken. We're broken because it's almost like it's something that we can't help. It's done to us, hmm. right? Or brokenness is being the reason why we do what we do. Yeah. That, I mean, I know it's true, but it sometimes overemphasizes things. Yeah, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? There, it's like there's a. Uh, you're not like you're not responsible. You can't do anything about it. There's not you're you're. On one sense, we've been talking of Adam and Eve are helpless unto themselves, but but that angle of where you guys I think are going at it, it's like you're. It's just the way it is. So like, let's just make let yet just make a go of life. You only live once. We're broken. Let's have fun while we're doing it. Like sin is something that happens to you rather than something that you do. Okay. Comes from you. Yeah. Yeah, we need to make sure our thinking is aligned with the word with that. That we are responsible for our sin, that sin is a choice. We have it in us to, to bend that way. The default is to bend towards sin and to choose sin. As you guys, as things come up in your life, I would, I would love to hear or share what, whatever your, is appropriate with the group, just maybe even personally, where your, th- your personal thinking maybe didn't align somewhere along the week with Scripture. I mean, and if, we're, if we're, we're brutally honest, we all would have multiple times in a day where that happens. We have to check ourselves. But it just um, it can be encouraging to one another to see how what you're fresh about in the Word actually pressed against that and said, no, this is the right thinking. So let's, let's just be willing to encourage each other in that way and share um, how you chose to stand on the truth of God's Word versus um, something your, your, your own self, your flesh, was trying to say was more important. <laughs> But it stood out to me, okay, so God said it was going to be 24 hours, you know, day and night. And he chose that for, in his wisdom, for whatever reason. So when we're going, well, I don't have enough time, it's almost like we're saying, God, you didn't know what you were doing. Hmm. Yeah, that's a prime example of where a lie and a truth are rubbing up against each other. So true. Because, I mean, we all, perhaps a lot of us know the verse in Ephesians where it says he prepared good works in advance for us to do. So if, in that train of thought of what you're saying, if you're saying you don't have, if he's given you too much or he's done something wrong, you're, you're blaming God for being the one who's inaccurate, who's, who's uh, not faithful, which we know 
couldn't be the truth based upon what we're seeing of him through his words so far. Yeah, it, it causes you to take stock, doesn't it? Like, if, if you're to be honest of who's the one that created time. I love that God created time. And January always makes us think of it. Like, the seasons, the moons, the stars, the, the resetting. You think of his mercies being new every day, it says. There, he, he, I think he likes these resets, these opportunities of reset in our thinking. Thanks, Janet. Um, so, yeah, thanks for sharing a bit, guys. So these are some of the truths that I projected up here that we are learning so far that we've been developing. The holiness of God, that he is, that he is perfect and far and above uh, humanity. He's the creator of humans. Uh, he's the creator of the universe. Um, his holiness is just so in, integral and, and intrinsic to who he is. Um, and that's why <clears throat> there's such an issue with sin. He cannot tolerate sin. His holiness cannot tolerate sin. We learned of the sin of Adam and Eve. Um, that that separated them from a perfect relationship with God. God was their ultimate owner and ruler, being the one who made them, just as we've talked about. If you make something, a painting or, or a cake, you build a cake or you build a chair or a house, it's yours because you made it with your hands, you bought the material. And same, same with Adam and Eve. God made them totally from, from his resources. And uh, so he's the owner so when sin entered in, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, um, that was a total affront to God and his character and all that he stood for. <clears throat> so we've been learning how their disobedience, all it took was one, to cause that, that split, that chasm of relationship between Adam and Eve and God. Um, and then the consequences of their choice. Uh, we talked that uh, they didn't stay in the garden, and that was an act of, there was, it was a cost and consequence effect that took place there. Um, the cost, they got booted. The consequence, they no longer had the, this great garden where they could um, just live rather easily, it sounded like. Um, there was the, the physical death that was going to start, like the Christmas tree we talked about. A Christmas tree is cut off from its root source, its life-giving source. Adam and Eve were cut off from their life-giving source, God. Um, but then spirits too were instantly dead. And so... They, their bodies were dying and their spirits were now on the path um, for the lake of fire, which was prepared for Satan and his followers. And that was just. That, that was right of God. And that, that's just, we start to touch on the hint of the wrath of God. Um, sin doesn't go unpunished. It, it doesn't just get brushed under the rug. That would not make God just, nor holy, nor perfect. And so... Um, we, we read about um, the promise deliverer to come. So we know there's something that God, God has a plan in place and it's not his plan B, it's been his plan A all along. Um, but like I said, he made the, the lake of fire for Satan and his followers, but all who are born in sin and are sinners, which is everybody born, everybody born uh, through Adam and Eve, are bound on that path, are be- destined on that path without, uh, if there's no intervention of, on God's part. Um, and then, as we talked about our sin debt, is it something that we are able to pay? What did we say about our sin debt? Do we have something that God could need or that could pay off God or satisfy uh, the debt owed? No, I'm seeing heads shaking. Yeah, that's right. No, um, God keeps a record of sin and every sin, although it has others influenced or uh, involved with, with sin, it's first and foremost a sin and disobedience against God. And then, as we start to dive into the story of Cain and Abel, we'll see uh, the impact of sin upon the entire world, the whole world. 
uh, the earth feels sin, the, uh, God's curse. Um, it's in humanity. Um, we talked about, uh, you know, how we use things to kind of counteract the, the effects of sin on the world, like pesticides and fertilizers and, you know, because there's disease and fungus in our world today, anti-aging lotions and potions to make yourself look prettier and last longer. So you think, um, at least deceive yourself. And, uh, and then finally, as I've been saying, God is holy and he cannot tolerate sin. So yeah, we're, we're in the thick of it, you guys. We've covered creation and, uh, and we're learning so much about who God is and, and who we are, um, born as descendants of Adam and Eve. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, as, we've, as we're kind of getting further and further from the creation history, what are things, just I wanted to touch base before we got, got farther from it, what are things that stand out to you guys, again, of God's attributes in the, in the creation history, the creation account? What are things of him that you saw played out towards Adam and Eve and just in general? I mean, it tells us so, sorry? I had a little reading for January 8th in this, in this thing, and it just, like, popped. God must have had a blast, painting the stripes on the zebra, hanging the stars in the sky, putting the gold in the sunset. What creativity, stretching the neck of a giraffe, putting the flutter in the mockingbird's wings, planting the giggle in the hyena, and then as a finale to a brilliant performance, he made man. A human who had unique honors to bear the same in his image. God made the wild animals according to their kind, and then God said, let us make man in our image. Hmm. Just um, that whole thing that we are made in his image, we're perfect. That right from the start, that that's what it was. In the beginning we were, yeah. When yeah. I that, was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, the only ones who bear his image is, is no, no thing to take for granted. Um, yeah, that's huge. I think the generosity of God in uh, all that he has made and, and, and so on, how he, um, like a better term, furnished the earth with uh, so much a variety of uh, plants and animals and stuff like that. It's, uh, it wasn't just uh, about creating a planet that is survivable, but to, to be able to enjoy life in many, many aspects of it. trees with fruit on it that you know there's just so so many and there's just just one kind of flies in the face of some of the thought today well if we can just bring up children in uh, uh, as best of an environment as possible then they're going to turn out you know a lot better stuff like that it's the conditions uh, the situation the circumstances that cause people to turn back. Mm -hmm. There couldn't have been a better circumstance to live under than the Garden of Eden. Right. So, like that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that and heard that thought too, yeah. Hmm. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I think what I see when I look back on the garden, just the immense love that God has for his creation. You know, when he created Eve, Adam didn't realize he needed a helpmate, that his helpmate would be a female in God's image, the opposite or, you know, of him in a sense. 
and how kind of an act that was of God. And, and there was, God didn't have any manual available to him, how creative he was in his, in his all of these, you know, the, the giggle of the hyena and the, yeah, the stars and then creating man in his image. And just the grace and mercy uh, as, as we wrapped up the creation event. He didn't have to do any of this for, for Adam and Eve. Um, he didn't have to protect them even after their one choice to disobey, but there was grace and mercy there. Um, yeah, so just, just I want to always kind of cycle forward. I always want to be, as we go through our lessons, sort of have this looping. And, and since we've had kind of a bigger gap here, I wanted to, I want to in this lesson continue just to touch on sort of where we were and where we're going before we go ahead too far. Um, as we see what Adam and Eve inherited, uh, like this is their reality, cut off from God, sinners ruled uh, against God, or sinners against God ruled by sin in all of life. When we see all these things here, their bodies dying, their spirit and soul to lake of fire, um, do you see hope within themselves to change their situation? They are helpless at, unto themselves, right? They can't undo the mess that they've got themselves in. They're going to need the one who pursues them to do something here. <clears throat> so here we are, Adam and Eve are removed from the garden. Uh, we're going to talk tonight about Cain and Abel, which were the first two sons, first two children as far as we know, um, from Adam and Eve. And being born in Adam and Eve, they inherited their sin, a sin debt of their own. Um, we're going to talk about uh, how they... You know, Cain was a keeper of the uh, tiller of the ground, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. And how they, they brought this thing called an offering uh, before God, and why they bring an offering, what is an offering, and what kind of offerings are there, and what did the offering have to do with anything in life at this point in time? We'll talk a bit about that. Um, and then how um, one one of the brothers was rejected, and one was accepted, and why, and and then some of the play out of each of those two guys their response uh, as God received one and rejected the other. And, and as well, um, God's warning to one of these brothers as well. So, our hook for today, let me catch up here. Okay, catch all, oh, it's not transmitting yet. Come on. We did this, I feel like, our first lesson where it didn't uh, project through as fast. <laughs> Wake up. Oh, did it go? There, and then I just went back one on myself. So, just, you know, take a quick snapshot of that. That's, that's what we we're covering so far. <laughs> just thought I would overwhelm you with a lot of words on a screen. Does that work? Feeling overwhelmed? <laughs> Some people do actually take pictures with their phone. So feel free if, that's, if you feel so inclined. As we dive in here, these are things that we've covered so far. God is creator. He's creative. He's holy, all-powerful. He must justly punish, punish sin. He's all-knowing and he's all-seeing. He is purposeful. He is the great provider. He desires relationship with his image bearers. He is loving, merciful, gracious. He promised a deliverer and a savior. And we know that we can believe his word because he is faithful and true and he, he, he's perfect. He doesn't break a promise. All humans are made by God for relationship with God. We have ability to, to make choice. Humans choose pride. That's like our autopilot. It's like our, our sinful default continually. Uh, we, we seem to like rebellion and greed. Sin, sin in action is evil. And, uh, and this is what we're born, sin is born ruling us. That's our nature. And, uh, and we have the sin debt. 
And tonight we're diving into our hook. God's way is by faith, once it catches up with me here. God's way is by faith. <laughs> Why is it doing this tonight? This is so weird. Is there like different, does somebody have a stronger cell phone or something than since before Christmas is interfering with my signal? There. Strange. Maybe the city installed some sort of new system. <laughs> There's a, when I was in Salmon Arm where my wife's parents are, this was a couple years ago, they had like one street. If you use your fob to lock your vehicle, um, your fob won't unlock your vehicle. And so if you have a car that doesn't have a key, you're like locked out. And I learned the hard way. <laughs> then I called my father-in-law. He's like, yeah, never use your fob on that street. Because there's so many like doors with like, so it's on a main street with like a lot of um, security, you know, like if you're stealing stuff, like their alarms will go off. And he thinks it's kind of to do with that maybe. Anyways, maybe, maybe Whitehorse is doing something. That's what's in- interfering with my uh, iPad to projector connection here. I don't know. <laughs> so tonight's hook, God's way is by faith. And we're going to unpack that. We, we've already reviewed this, this punishment where Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden. So I'm just going to kind of skip through those photos pretty quick or those slides pretty quick. And then we're going to be looking at Abel's offering and his faith and Cain uh, coming a different way, his own way. Here's the image of Adam and Eve, the cherubim and the sword, God's justice and mercy displayed with the cherubim and the sword in front of the, uh, the entrance um, on the eastern side of the Garden of Eden. How is that again an act of God's mercy and grace that he didn't, didn't allow them to stay in the Garden of Eden? Yeah, because things most likely would spiral down terribly. Well, probably guaranteed, really. <clears throat> Sorry, gotta, let me get caught up on my note. So here we are, we have Adam and Eve on the outside of the garden. And there's no, the fact that there was no way back is, is critical for us to understand as we lay the foundation of the Bible because we need to really realize the significance that if God doesn't provide a way, then we're all destined for eternal punishment, not only Adam and Eve, but every, every human so it's critical just, critical just to understand that as they were removed from the garden and God had uh, protected the way to the access of tree of life again at this point without God's intervention again, there's no way back to a restored relationship with him. <clears throat> the demons, no. Not, yeah, there was nothing put in place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and th- there's nothing that the word alludes to that there was an opportunity for restoration there. A- and why? Maybe they saw more and they were then therefore held to a higher level of, of accountability, responsibility. I'm not sure. But yeah, there's nothing that we see where they had a chance for uh, being redeemed from their choice. So yeah, so that's the fall, we call that. I have this thing from answersingenesis.org that I would read, thought I'd read to you guys. Far from being a secondary issue, the Genesis account of creation and the fall is central to our understanding of who we are and why we need a savior. We are exiles from Eden, and the only way back is through the creator who made Eden in the first place. We all feel it in every place and in every time, a hunger, 
a longing for a life unmarred and unending. Despite all the attempts to improve human existence over the centuries, we deeply yearn for the unspoiled paradise of humanity's beginning. This is part of the curse. I thought that was just a good, good little snippet to, to not underestimate the significance of the fall. And so then that longing for that restoration won't be met or addressed until the deliverer deals with Satan and our sin debt is dealt with. Then will our relationship with God be restored? Here we are. Life goes on with Adam and Eve outside of the garden. And we're going to dive in now to Cain and Abel's offering. So we're in Genesis chapter 4. If you want to flip with me in God's word. Anybody want to say anything up to this point as we kind of had that heavy review? All right. Somebody want to read for me uh, the first two verses of Genesis chapter 4? And if you don't have your Bibles, I have it on the screen here as well. Perfect. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, so who are we introduced to in this passage? Cain and Abel. Who were Cain and Abel? Adam and Eve's son. Good. We're just, I'm warming up your, your juices here. Your saliva's loosening the tongue. What did it mean? What did, what did this mean for Cain and Abel? First sons of Adam and Eve. Here they are. Life's going. They've inherited the sin. That's right. That's the biggest part. They were born separated from God with that sin debt. And they too are ruled by sin and Satan and pride. And they are born on a path pointed for where? Lake of Fire. Yeah. Yeah. What an inheritance. At what point did they re- receive their personal sin nature? What do you guys think? According to David, conception. Conception. Why do you say according to David? Um, I think it's in Psalm 1. Um, that was conceived in sin or something like that. Okay, yeah, thanks. Sorry to put you on the spot like that, but, <laughs> but it is good, yeah. No, it's right. They, the moment they were conceived, because they are descendants of Adam, and David attests to that in the Psalms. Um, Every single person has inherited this sin debt. And, and so we're all born separated from God. We're not born, I've heard, in teaching established, I've actually been hearing some people, not, not here in this group yet, but uh, if it is your thought, that's why we're here to talk it through and hear what God's word teaches us. But some have told me before, I thought we were born good. I thought we were born all right. And it's more that we digress. We, we unspin from then because we learn uh, the unbroken or the, the broken ways of our parents or what have you. Um, but that is not the truth. The truth is that we, we are born with a personal sin nature, uh, which chooses to sin against God right from the get-go. So, um, uh, when you talk about um, age and accountability, yeah. Uh, I'm not, no, I'm not diving into age of accountability. I won't necessarily touch on that, but I, uh, more so just that 
we're all born with an inherited sin nature and, and a bent to sin. It, we don't have to be taught to sin. It's in our nature. It's in our DNA. And so um, that, that's the problem that we've inherited from our ancestors. So the age of accountability stuff, I don't think I'll dive into that here because it is a bit tricky. But the fact is, is there's no human who's ever lived who's been fully human only that has been able to not sin at any point. And that's all that really matters. So for Cain and Abel, this is their sin debt rope. I'm going to hang it under their names. I've, I've already marked it up here on the timeline. There it is. And why is this doing that? Does anybody have any idea? Turn it off and turn it back on. Isn't that the key of this everything? <laughs> yeah, you spent a half an hour on the tech line and <laughs> just to say, have you unplugged your device and plugged it back in again? Huh, I did do an update on my iPad just yesterday, and I wonder if that's the issue. Um, well, we'll see how it goes here. So again, as, as Adam and, or as Cain and Abel are born, this is, this is where they stand, this death in Adam, ruled by their pride. They are enemies of God, even as they are born, just right away because of their sin debt. Their bodies are dying, their spirit and soul will go to the lake of fire forever. And so they're under the rightful punishment of God. It says it's connected over here, but it's uh, not translating over there. Oh, well. We'll just do more from old school Bible and pen and paper in front of you. So this is their relationship. Separated, dying, broken relationship. The promise of the, of the deliverer that was given to Adam and Eve is still uh, before Cain and Abel. Um, let's go to Genesis, still four, the next two verses there, and read what uh, Cain and Abel did. Could somebody read that for me? When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Okay. No, that's good. Thank you. Um, what did Cain and Abel do? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh, firstborn, yeah, there you go, exactly. So one was offering fruit of the ground, the other was offering something from his flock with fat. Um, we can't dive in too deeply as to uh, why they are bringing offerings to God. The scripture at this point in time, at least, doesn't allude to much of anything. Did Adam and Eve talk to them about God providing a covering? I'm sure that was talked about somewhere along the line. Um, we can speculate is about, is about all. Did Adam and Eve tell them to, to do something about an offering? Did God communicate directly with them about an offering? You know, it's not, it's not too significant at this point in time to, to dive into, into that. They did, they believed in God. We can see that. They're bringing an offering to him. Um, and, and we see that they made an offering and there was an, uh, we can read an evidence of a real presence of God with these two men or, or guys uh, because they both knew whether God had accepted or rejected 
their offerings. Um, this is an interesting place to just point out, I think, that just believing in God, that he exists, doesn't make a person acceptable to God. Because you often hear that, right? Like in our, a lot of our circles, it's like, I believe in a higher power, or I believe in God. Well, again, like here at Cain and Abel, their actions are telling us they, God is there. So again, this is where it's really important as, as you disciple people, as you're going through the word with them, there's a difference between just believing in God and, and, and what do you believe of God? Do you believe you... Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, what do we hear of God saying of Abel's offering? Yeah, acceptable with favor. And Cain, what does he say? Yeah, exactly. With not, yeah, rejected, not with favor. Um, where are we at here? Let's keep reading just to see why. Next two verses there, if you wouldn't mind. Just uh, 6 to 7a, just the first half of 7. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. Keep going. That's good. Mine doesn't show where the a is, but I think that's, that's good for right now. So... Let's see here. Go over. So here we have Cain. No, we don't. <laughs> In my, my iPad, we have Cain here lifting up his fruit basket. And we have Abel uh, carrying a sheep. That's the picture that I'm trying to get up here. Um, does the passage at this point describe to us what is right? Of what we read. It just says one is accepted, one was in, looked upon a favor, the other was rejected or not. Does it say what is right? No. no. So we need to do some digging and exploring to understand. So in terms of biblical hermeneutics, and, and uh, you know, Andrew's going to hang me up to dry if I say anything wrong here. No, I'm just kidding. He's a gracious guy. Thank you, man. We can only really look at a few things at this point. I mean, a lot of, we, we know we have the rest of Scripture. We know we have the Levitic, Levitical law. We know that there's, th- there's things in there about offerings. But at this point in time, there's only really a few things we can question as to what is a right, what is right, or what is wrong. So at this point in time, there, we, we can look at the quality of the offering. Because read how they were described. Notice the subtle difference there. Um, with Cain, it talks of just fruits. Uh, anyways, look that in your Bible. It says just fruits. And then with uh, Abel, it says he brought the, the first, what is it, the firstborn and fat portions. Two different things there. So it, there's an emphasis. And, and the fat was like the best of the best, especially then. Um, even when, when I lived in Alaska, uh, in the bush with, uh, among the First Nations there, it's like they always like to do the moose roast and save as much of the fat as possible. And they would, of course, always want to eat a lot of the fat alongside the meat because it was juicy and flavorful. And um, So here Abel is, is bringing the juicy, flavorful, you know, really good stuff that I'm sure he would like to have, but he's, you know, his heart attitude is offering that up freely and the firstborn of his flock, not the lame, dejected lamb. And with Cain, he's just saying, fruits. So quality. Second, the attitude can be questioned. 
the attitude in which they gave these offerings to God. And, and then third, the obvious difference um, is the type of offering. One is grown like in the ground or on the ground. It's a fruit or vegetable. And the other one is an animal. It's living. It's breathing. And, and so we'll talk more a bit about Cain in, in the next part of this lesson. But first, uh, we'll talk a little further about the offering and Abel. Wow, that is out to lunch. You know what I should just do? <clears throat> Let me hardwire this in. I'll be tethered. Um. There. <clears throat> Should have thought of this uh, 10 minutes ago. <clears throat> Come on. Yes. Hey. I know. My, the stick fell off, okay? My calibrated oak sticks fell off. Come on, Kevin. Whatever. It's good enough for you. <laughs> but not the rest, sorry. <clears throat> okay. So what is an offering? Scripture, uh, in Scripture, the word offering is used to mean a gift or a present. Um, Sometimes people at this point, if they've been brought up in the church, they can think that, oh, it's, it, it's uh, right because there's an animal offering, but a, an offering can be a grain offering. Uh, if, you're, if you do get into the Old Testament more heavily, you'll see that a sacrifice or an offering isn't only animal-related. And it's not always a sacrifice, not necessarily. Uh, the concept of offering or sacrifice is important as we go forward. Um, it's kind of like this sin debt concept. The idea of understanding what is an offering or a sacrifice is going to be integral as we learn about the deliverer. But because we're studying these concepts deeply at this point, uh, or sorry, studying too deeply at this point would be premature because we haven't laid sort of the entire foundation of the deliverer to come. We'll, we'll build to that in due time. <clears throat> so, so the greater details aren't too important. Uh, we just want to look at the main point of this passage. So what then is the passage teaching us at this point? So it says in the NIV, the Lord looked on favor with Abel and his offering. It sounds like God accepted Abel and his offering. Um, and we, we bring into question the type, the quality, or, or the attitude. And so let's uh, continue on here. In Matthew uh, 23, 35. Um, just really quick. <clears throat> Matthew 23, 35. It's kind of just like an, an off-reference off quickly. It's saying of Abel, um, again, it, it's referring to something else, but it just in the middle there saying the righteous Abel, from the murder of righteous Abel. So here we're getting Abel labeled as a righteous man. Abel is referred to in God's word as righteous. How can he be called righteous though? Didn't I just finish saying that he has a sin debt? Back here, we hung his sin dead rope. He's born cut off from God. So we have a sinner who's being acceptable. And didn't we just finish teaching that sinners are unable to help themselves? So what's happening here? How, how could Abel's offering, much less Abel himself, be acceptable to God? Hebrews 11 also offers significant insight. If you read 11.4, <coughs> 
It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. What was our hook? God's way is by faith. Abel is moving by faith here. By by faith, Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. And then we see here, there's faith is tied to righteousness. He's righteous. So, we're getting a lot of hints here. On what basis did God accept Abel's offering? Did he bring the right offering? Did he bring the right quality of offering? faith that came alongside the offering. Yeah. He offered it by faith. He offered it by faith. And as I was saying from the Hebrews verse, it's interesting how we see now faith and righteousness are being tied here. We're seeing a relation. They're connected. So what was Abel's faith in? Here's another thing. So earlier I talked of, um, you know, you can believe in God, but here now taking that similar train of thought, now Abel has faith, but what's his faith in? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's indicating um, in God, faith in God's provision and, and kind of even not just the small provision of a covering, a temporal covering that Adam and Eve received there of that physical temporal covering, but that provided also a, a, a temporal spiritual forgiveness covering, which was also then saying by, by Adam and Eve donning those clothes, a, pro, uh, a belief in the faith of what was to come, a deliverer. So I think... Abel at this point, is, what is his faith in? I don't, I don't think we're getting evidence that it's from his great idea of, of a great offering <clears throat> because that, that's going to be driving him to a works-based faith, which is saying, because I've done this, I earn that. Is that what grace is? No, grace is one-way love. It's unearned favor and merit from God, right? So he couldn't receive the grace of God if he was having faith in his great idea of an offering. And it says Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. Yeah, we don't know anything beyond that. Again, all we can look at is what was brought, the heart of the giver, and the quality of what was given. So I don't think Abel at this point was having faith in himself, of his adequacy, of his gift. Um. That would be impossible because for him to be accepted on those terms would be pushing against everything we've been learning so far that humans, in truth, cannot help themselves in this way. So it's not because of Abel's actions that he was accepted. He simply did what was right. No, it's more than his actions. Just as Eve, in her thought, when Satan tempted her, she then, in her action, reached out and disobeyed by taking the fruit of which she was commanded not to eat, in the reverse here, Abel, was, was his motives was, was faith in God and the coming deliverer, whatever he knew from his parents, from God communicating to him. His actions then, in a sense, dictated what his heart was believing, where his faith was already. His heart posture before God 
or sorry, it's more than just his actions. His actions are driven by his beliefs and his attitudes. So his heart and his posture before God was one of humility and faith in God as the only one who can make him and his offering acceptable. He was looking forward to the promised deliverer who would make him acceptable in God and not his own ability. Any questions at this point or questions or qualms? <laughs> well, just if I think, if I put myself into their shoes um, and I'm deciding, you know, well, what does, like at this point, they don't have like a sacrificial system or priests. Um, but, you know, one, uh, the offering would still be an acknowledgement that actually those things didn't come those things came from God yeah. and that they, he owned them and that you didn't deserve them, right? And so I would think that the more of that that you gave and the higher quality of that that you gave to be more of an acknowledgement that this, these things that you're giving me are, are given to me out of mercy because I don't deserve them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you begrudgingly gave up some of the stuff, it wouldn't say that. Yeah, and the verses that follow will reveal of some of this begrudgingness on, on one of the, uh, Cain's behalf. Yeah, totally. Thanks, Andrew. I mean, yeah, as you said, as we get into the, the Levitical law and priests and the sacrificial system, we're going to get a lot of detail as to what, what the foreshadowing of what Abel was offering was, was revealing. <laughs> um. So again, what is coming God's way? It seems that Abel's offering was accepted, was accepted and amazingly, he himself was accepted uh, purely on the basis of his humble faith in God. He wasn't, he wasn't saying, I'm going to do this so God will bless me. He wasn't manipulating God. It was uh, you know, him acknowledging that all things are from God and he was coming God's way by faith. Right, I can remember that that's actually connected now. Um, cool. It seems that Cain, as we dive into the next uh, chunk of scripture here, as we read here up to seven, um, it's as God's asking Cain, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will, you will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? So we, we're hearing that Cain is angry. He's begrudgingly, clearly he must be begrudgingly offering his, uh, his fr the fruits of the ground that he's worked. Um, it seems like there's evidence here of, of pride because he's standing before the, the Lord somehow, in this case, angrily. I mean, I think that's communicating something similar to what we have on our pride chart of, of kind of thinking that God isn't good. He's standing before a, a perfectly good, holy God angrily. So the, what is that communicating, do you guys think? What is he, what is he saying to God in that, in that point in his heart? Do you think he's believing that what God is telling him? is, is uh, trustworthy and true. If you do what is right, Cain. Or do you think he's proud 
Do you think he is proud? Jealous. Well, you know, if, if, you, if, if you were to do something, like, you know, uh, with kids, and they do something for you, and you say, no, that's not good enough, you know, they can, they can be sad, or they can be like, you know. Yeah. And, uh, Storm like, off, yeah. You, know, you can also say, well, Lord, what do I do? Right, right. Please, please, you know, please accept me. In humility, saying, teach me where I've gone wrong. I, I didn't realize I was wrong. So you're getting corrected, but humbly, Lord, you know everything. You're the source of all knowledge. Tell me what's what wrong. Yeah, what can I do to make it right? Yeah, but instead, he, there, was a, there was a hardening of his heart, really, it seems like. Um, Yeah, because when you're wrong, what, what's being told of you or your way? I'm rejecting you. I'm rejecting what you're bringing. Humans, myself included in humans, hate, we hate to be rejected. Especially when your brother just got accepted. Yeah. <laughs> and your younger brother. Yeah, <laughs> to boot, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, as we learn about Abel's faith here... Um, the term repentance isn't used, but, but we can see as he chose to, to go God's way by faith, um, there, there's, he was, was it rejecting his way and going God's way. So although it's not using the word repentance, we haven't been studying or talking about that word yet. We're going to see that as it's natural in the scriptures. We'll talk about it more and more. So here we see that Abel had a, a, a practical repentance um, and his heart by faith was was making him acceptable before God. Uh, but Cain, at this point, he was hardening, he was proud. He was, his face was angry or he was downcast, it says here. Um, so, yeah, interesting, as we, as we kind of park with, with the one brother, I want to move over to where I'm at here. Move over with the other one. Um, make sure I don't leave any of your blanks empty here. I think I've been saying this all along, but just so you're tracking with your notes, I have there, I think, humans since Eden are unable to help themselves um, when it comes to spiritual life or, or saving them or rescuing themselves. Is it because of Abel's actions that he did what was right? No, it's more than his actions. His actions are driven by his beliefs and his attitudes. Did I cover that? I think I might have backed up a page with my funny staple here. Anyways. (laughs) Anyways. <laughs> so Cain is coming his way. Let's uh, go back to Genesis just 4, 5, just a couple verses there. It says, But he, God, did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. God's response on Cain, he didn't look on favor. He didn't look with regard. Why would Cain be angry? We started to talk about it. His, old, his younger brother was accepted. Um, he, was, he was confronted. He was cornered. But what do you think he knew of God at this point, that he would have the grounds to be angry with God? 
What makes you angry? Unfair. Feeling it's unfair? Yeah. And if Cain thought he was unfair, it was unfair at this point, he clearly has a, uh, a defective view of God. Is he being proven wrong, maybe, by God? Do you like it when you're proven wrong? I don't. Or maybe he was embarrassed. Um, I mean, again, what we're seeing here is the motive, the heart behind it all, right? Cain was already against God. He wasn't for him. He, I think backing up the bus a little bit, we're already seeing still a, a, a broken relationship, an unrestored relationship between Cain and, and God that has never up to this point been restored. Cain didn't trust God. He didn't love God. If he did, I think his response would have been remorse and sorrow and humility, apologetic and a willingness to accept correction, not anger. I think Cain's anger continued to reveal that he was defiant against his maker, that he had a bent away from God, his broken relationship with God, his lack of trust in God. He was proud, as we've been saying. His attitude implied that, that his way should be good enough. And then a desire to defend, defend his own way of doing things. So let's listen to what God does, what God's doing now. So it says, yeah, I just want to pick it up here part way. If you do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So the Lord has already come to Cain. He's questioning him. He's asking him. Remember, God is a pursuer of relationships. What did Cain deserve at this point? Without any of God's grace. Lake of fire, fire, yeah. Just like Satan had one rebellion and he was, no questions asked, basically. Just lake of fire, destined, cast down to earth. Here God is pursuing Cain. If you do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Interesting fact, and I don't know where you want to take this, but um, this, this desire, the, the original Hebrew word that's used for desire here is the same Hebrew desire that's used for uh, Eve for her husband. Interesting. Um, something there that was very guttural. This sin really wants you, but you must rule over it. How, does, how was God gracious at this point, giving him what he didn't deserve? He approached him and asked questions that came thinking. Yeah. Makes me think, like, we have a God who's a God of chances, a God of many chances. Second chances, third chances, hundredth chance, thousandth chance. Yeah. What, what do you think God's desire was for Cain at this point? Yeah. Turn to him. Yeah, uh, again, a, a humble repentance that he would humbly repent of his sin and ultimately trust in God's gracious way by faith in God's plan, the deliverer. 
Um, remember how Adam and Eve tried covering their shame and guilt with the fig off with fig leaves, an idea that was within themselves. Well, was Cain, in a sense, trying to come to God his own way here too? Was his thinking and his approach from within himself, or was it from God? Seems, seems like himself. Yeah. Can we come to you guys? Can we come to God our way? What are we seeing in, the, in Cain's example here? Or do we come to God the way that he's outlining, as we're learning here with these foundational rocks of truth? God's way by, is by faith. So again, what does it look like to do what is right? It's hanging beside pride there. What does it look like to do what is right? Humbly obey, Humbly obey God, yeah. Submit to God's ways. Submitting to his ways, exactly, yeah. Submitting to his ways, repenting. God will accept you. Unfortunately, Cain, Cain didn't come humbly before God. He didn't submit to God's warning. God pursued him here. If you do what is right, it's, it's, it's crouching there. It, it doesn't have you consumed at this point. Well, it does, I guess, in a sense. But it's like it, there's this, this idea that he could, there could be a change take place. Well, of course, we read that things were set, and we, and we know things didn't change. But God is communicating to him here, do what is right. In Genesis 4, 8, and 9, a couple more verses. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, so the Lord comes to Cain again, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? It sounds kind of cheeky. It's astonishingly sad how God, God's warning to Adam and Eve and Cain too get ignored. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Choose to do what is right. I'm going to go kill my brother instead. He deceived his brother and then kills him. How do you think, you guys, this, like, put yourself now in Adam and Eve's shoes. You have your first two sons. They've grown up to be adults of some age. The one kills the other. You're thinking, what are you thinking? My choice to disobey my life giver, sustainer, and provider, is, this is a play out of that. That disobedience, that sin nature, that I, that, that the tempter that was external, that I ate of the fruit and disobediently it entered into me and is now inherited in, in all of our offspring. This is what it looks like with it played out. The one rejects God, deceives his brother, kills one of my, like, you know, kills one of my sons in the process. Here begins the ripple effect, you guys early on in, in human, humanity's existence. Just speculate on that a bit, of what, what that would look like being their parent.
what caused Cain to do what he did? He, he was ruled by sin in all of life. He was relying, he deceptively led his brother astray or thinking, well, maybe I can, in my jealousy and anger, I can eliminate a problem here. And, it, and when God approached him, he was proudful, he was angry, he was downcast. I mean, clearly, it's, I think it's pretty evident that he's an enemy of God, even more overtly at this point in the story. And his sin debt is just going to increase. Ruled by a sin nature, ruled by shame, ruled by pride, ruled by jealousy, ruled by who's God's adversary? Ruled by Satan, yeah. Relying on his own abilities, proud, acting out of his own true nature, sinner. He's in the camp of Satan, an enemy of God. The effects of sin, you guys. And this is early on. So, I want to dive you guys into uh, the contrasts here. Um, as we look at coming to God our own way, does it get us anywhere? Does it bridge that chasm? Does it get us across that raging river that would kill us if we fell in it? it did it for these guys with what they came with? Anything that originates within our sinful ideas will never bridge the gap to God. All of us are unable to adequately help ourselves. And we're going to see that again and again and again and again and again and again and again. But did God abandon them? No, he came to Adam and Eve again. He came to Cain again and again. But we always need to remember, as, before we get into the contrast point, we're always going to be circling back on here. God's way is by faith. It's not our way. It's not, your, it's not what you think is best. Let's look at some of the lies that, uh, that either you've bought into or, or white horses bought into around us here. Beliefs that contradicts how God accepts people. Let's, let's hear what's on your thinkers. What are things out there today that push against that God's ways by faith, people say it's some other way. What are, what's out there? Okay. Generally good person. Is that you say, Kevin? Yeah. Generally good person. Good enough, Judy. God's a God of love. God of love. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. If you knew my circumstances. Yeah, what else? How do you think God accepts you? That maybe isn't what we've been saying tonight. Is your thoughts like Cain? You have your own ideas? Well, I think in, in some ways, so 
like the idea of uh, gifts or giving is, you know, if you give enough, and there's a lot of very generous people in the world who don't know God. Yeah, for uh, sure. But uh, they may think that have faith in the gift rather than faith hmm. in, in, in God. Yeah, it's like it's like a bit of a biblical truth of kind of do unto others as you want done to you, but not couching it in any higher power, just purely good karma, that kind of a thing. Keeping, yeah. Something, yeah, faith and higher power. Okay, so now you you tell me what each what each of these push against. So um, I'm good enough. What what lie is that push? What truth does that push against? Am I good enough? Being helpless sinners. Yeah. Why are we helpless sinners? Who's our ancestors? Because of Adam. Because of Adam. Yeah. That's right. How about, how about God's a God of love? Is he a God of love? What else is he? God of justice. If he knew my circumstances, what truth is that pushing against? He knows your circumstances. He's all-knowing. Generous, having faith in how much I give or what I give. What, what truth is that pushing against? Getting a little more nebulous, but... That we can do it ourselves. There you go. We can do it ourselves. We are the great provider. For ourselves, we're an island unto ourselves. Maybe not recognizing the idea of the sin debt and how indebted we are that we can't possibly repay yeah. sin debt before holy God. Right, exactly. Is there any is there any bridge that we have in our possession that would, would span the chasm? Is there? In our power, in our ability? No. No, we are born separated from God, cut off. That's our inheritance from Adam. So we need a God who pursues, somebody who initiates. Or how about faith in a higher power? What truth is that pushing against? Well, God told me to simply give this glory to some others. Yeah. Oh, you, you pick, you pick. Yeah, it's a grab bag of gods out there. You just take the one that works for you. No, God is the only triune God. He will not share his power or his glory with another. So these are all beliefs that do contradict how God accepts people in him, but faith alone, not in your actions, but your actions are just communicating what you already believe, your motives in your heart. How about uh, ways, what ways or things you do to try to come to God, which are not his way? So still very much attached to this, but bring it, bring it into your hearts a bit. Is there things that are subtle in your heart that... Um, uh, let, me, let me give you a, a nice Christian example that I heard kind of a couple years ago. I might have shared this once with you already, but this, this youth pastor, uh, you know, or pastor of a church, had served in ministry for a lot of years, and then all of a sudden his kid gets cancer, he gets really angry with God, and, and then, however it came about, it's revealed in his heart that um, he had this belief 
it was subtle, and he never had his finger on it before. He couldn't lay his finger on it before, but he had a, basically a, a belief that because he had done all these right things in life, he had given God so much, he deserved better. He deserved for his child to not ever get cancer. He never realized that that was a kind of a, just a subtle, deep lie, a pit in him that he never knew was there until God allowed his child to have cancer to identify that lie. This is how it can, take, this is how it can play in our lives. It, it can be subtle. It might not be something that you've taken a stance to say, no, God, I'm going to come my way. It might not be like that in our lives, but it could be subtle. I've given enough. I've done enough. I've become a missionary. That's certainly enough. Maybe just park on that. You don't have to even share with the group, but park on that going forward and just uh, ask the Lord to search you and know your ways and see if there's anything offensive in, in how you approach him in that way, if it isn't his way by faith. I would say um, if Cain's sin is, is an example of like an unthankful attitude toward God or thinking that you deserve something or whatever, um, I know like I'll look at people who have of something and be like, God, why didn't I get that instead of them? Hmm. And then so you're saying somehow that you've earned what they get, even if it's all, it's all by God's mercy, and yet you've just said, whenever you say that, you're saying, that should have been mine. God, you were wrong. That should be mine, and I earned it. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. It can be subtle, hey? I've never done that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Right. <laughs> totally. That, that's the thing when, when we kind of, I mean, we've all come to the table as, as self-professing Christians, but we can have these stones that are kind of buried that you don't even know are there until you really just park on it and ask, you know, God to, to reveal it in you. Um, but we can be thankful that his word was written to communicate to every type of person, every type of situation, every circumstance, every trial, every culture, every language. If, if there's something that needs dealing with you in there by being in his word and in prayer, he'll reveal it to you. He is faithful. So in conclusion, I trust that you guys are seeing God's heart in all of this. He, he is just. He is holy. He is angry um, with each sinner's choice to defy him. But still, he pursues, he initiates, he loves us and desires to rescue not only Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, he desires to rescue everyone who bears his image, and that's you and you and you and you and you and me. He never had to provide a rescue plan, but in his graciousness he did. But as the offended party, it's on his terms, not ours. And how amazing. He's the offended one, and yet he still extends grace. It was our choice that gets us into a mess, our sin nature that takes us down our messy path of further sin, and it's only humbly submitting to God's gracious promise of a deliverer by which we are rescued by, this res- by, the, by the deliverer. And that's the only way we get out of our sinful mess. But to do so, we need to understand what humility is, We need to understand that God's way is by faith, faith alone in him, faith alone in the coming deliverer, who we know who he is today. But in Adam and Eve's time, they were forward-looking, 
they knew a deliverer was going to come, and their faith was in, that, in God's promise to come and rescue. So you guys thankful? God pursues relationship. He is merciful and gracious. He is faithful. And God has revealed this to us in his word. What a joy. A lot of good stuff going on. Um, so as we've dealt with these lies, do we keep them or do we destroy them? What do you say? Destroy them. The pressure's too great. I can't handle you guys. <laughs> Got to do it that way now. No, it's kidding. <clears throat> so here we are. As we see that coming to God is faith in God alone and God's way the promise delivered, we're left with the question of how will we respond to the coming deliverer. God is graciously offering us life within him, that he would teach us everything. Will we run into his embrace, you guys? Or will we choose to walk our own way as Cain did? That's a question we each have. That's a question as you teach people and talk to them about God's word. You ask them that. Do you run into God's embrace of this wonderful creator? Or do you go your own way and try and make your own God, which will lead to the lake of fire, sadly? That is it. You guys have any questions you want to talk about? Things you want to add? Not replying to God, you said? When, when he, uh, after the offering, his offering was rejected, God comes to him, you know, if you do what is right, you know, you will be accepted too. And, uh, and then he just doesn't say anything. There's just no, right. no response at all. And then he goes and kills Abel. See, just the, I don't know if you call it an attitude or whatever, but nobody's going to tell me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like it was, there was more meditation there because it says one day, at least in the NLT, it says, like, because God confronted him, and then one day. So it sounds like it wasn't like God confronted him, and then that same day he took Abel out to murder him. Sorry, into the desert was growing. Yeah, festering. Yeah, mounting. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Huh. I believe that was his saving faith. Yeah. I, or I should say, I believe that was saving faith. Yeah. So, in that, thank you for reminding me to get a straw for, for Abel. Where's my straw box here? Yeah, Abel, Abel's faith did cover him. It wasn't, again, wasn't faith in himself. It wasn't faith in his perfect offering. It was faith in the coming deliverer, faith in, in God's way alone. This is, I need to get stiffer string, I think. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I need to, like, pre, pre-assign a volunteer each time. <laughs> that worked last time. Ugh. Anyways, we're done. Class dismissed.